You are listening to KSFL LP Portland Radio Project. It is Friday night, and I am Veronica Bezesti. So that must mean it's time for Sounds of PDX. For our latest local artist drop-in session, it's a bit of a PRP blast from the past with a new musical project, new music on the horizon, a show at the 1905, and just some general catching up to do. Welcome back to the PRP studio, local jazz trumpeter, composer, band leader, and husband cyrus nabipore hey man hello veronica (laughs) good to hear you good to talk to you it's always great to talk to you congratulations on the recent nuptials thank you of course we've got a lot to catch up on including uh we've got some music to hear and some tickets to give away to your gig at the 1905 but Mm -hmm. before we do that for those of you that regularly tune into Portland Radio Project on Sundays, you may recall Bridge City BAM, Cyrus's show here on the PRP Airwaves, Bridge City Black American Music. Cyrus, can you define what Black American music is and talk about its influence on you as a jazz artist? Black American music is a is a term that we use um, it's 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 a wide term. It's sure. not a specific genre um, in terms of the way that we generally commercially subdivide music into genres yeah. uh, for you know to to be able to sell it um, and and label it. it. It's a wider umbrella than that, and it it refers to um, the influence of uh, African American artistry on all of American music okay. all of the music that has come out of America um, it, it's really a giving credit where credit is due mm-hmm. and was long since withheld and, and how have you found that that recognition and those accolades that we must give to that prior to categorization of music, how, how have you found that to be an influence on you as an artist? I mean, you know, to be clear, firstly, um, it's not, it, I don't do it for myself. It's, it's you know, um, it's because it's the right thing to do. Of course. I, I believe. Yes. But, but you're absolutely right also in that um, there is, personal value in understanding the music that I'm playing Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. on this level. Like when I can truly recognize and say that I am extremely influenced. I mean, it pervades my, the culture I grew up in uh, by black American music to understand it in that sense is to be able to just deal with it conceptually mm-hmm. at a higher level, you know, mm-hmm. knowing where we come from, knowing this full context um, of of my influences, um, it just allows me to see it all with a lot more clarity and then to move forward with a clearer idea of, you know, what I'm dealing with, what my tools are um, and what, you know, where I want to go with it. Thank you. I appreciate that 
that definition of of what that means to you as somebody who curated playlists based on that general terminology, but also had that thought behind each one of those playlists and and the notion of the homage that must be given at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my my goal with the show um, was always to try to um, demonstrate the through line of it all you know skipping Mm -hmm. uh, you know jumping anyone who remembers the show list you know it's the genres are all over the place Um, but generally if you liked one thing you well might like the next and you can hear the historical cultural through line of it all Yes. Well, and and continuing to remember and understand the sphere of influence is really important as we continue to kind of morph the way that we listen and even create and play music Mm -hmm. nowadays. It's really important to understand where we came from with this music. Yep, absolutely. You know, so let's hear some music. We're going to hear Cellmates. Give us a little background on this tune. Um, Well, Cellmates is uh, a song that I wrote. I wrote this song um, about probably about five years ago now, actually. Um, It's from my uh, previous record, my debut live record, Live at the Marini Opera House, which was recorded uh, in New Orleans back in um, 2019. And uh, this song is what's called a contrafact. And, and if there's any, uh, you know, quote unquote jazz nerds listening, they'll know what that is, but no one else will. But a yes, contrafact so please define. is, Thank yeah, you. <laughs> a contrafact <laughs> is where you, you take a um, pre-existing chord changes and form from another song and you write your own melody off, oh, on it. Okay. Um, you know, so in some ways you could say that uh, the 12 bar blues is a contrafact. Sure. Um, or uh, rhythm changes in the jazz tradition coming stemming back to I Got Rhythm, uh, written by Gershwin, is a contrafact. So um, for this one, it, it, I took the uh, form and chord progression to uh, the great uh, saxophone player Benny Golson's song Stablemates, which has become uh, a, a jazz standard played all around the world. Um, and I, I wrote my own kind of very aggressive angular melody to it. Um, I wrote this song, um, shortly after a, a very brief stint in a Texas small town prison, uh, or jail, we'll say it's Texas small town jail. I think prison is a little grandiose to, for what it was, but, um, shortly after getting out of there, I just had a lot of angst and, uh, so I started writing this this melody and um, hence the name Cellmates. So dedicated to uh, the, two, your the, prison the two buddies. people that I <laughs> that I shared a room with for about 36 hours. I kind of can't wait to hear the story <laughs> about that. <laughs> but let's let's hear the tune. Let's hear the tune. This is Cellmates by Cyrus Nabipour on Portland Radio Project.
you're listening to Sounds of PDX on Portland Radio Project, and we've got Cyrus Navipur in the studio. We're talking all things, we're talking all things jazz, but let's talk now about your latest musical project, Cyrus mm-hmm. Navipur Quintet. How yeah. did this come about? Let's talk about the four other guys making up this quintet with you. Give us all the deets. Yeah, well, um, you know, I started the quintet uh, in my last few years in New Orleans, and but it was a very different thing at that time. Um, it was much more, and you can hear it on the on the track we just played, and on the whole live of the Marion Opera House album. Um, I think it's much more what we think of as jazz when we hear that word for the mm-hmm. most part. Uh, it's, I was pretty green as a composer and band leader at the time. Uh, I just I'd just done a lot of sideman work um, for so long. So when I moved uh, when I moved to Portland uh, in 2020, I started playing with all these amazing people in town who I had never played with before because you know I left Portland when I was eight when I was 18 and uh, they weren't around at that time. Um, so I just started meeting all these amazing musicians and at the same time, um, you know just during the pandemic, I really learned so much about myself in, in terms of my musical tastes and my, um, my proclivities and tendencies as a composer mm-hmm. um, and you know it just allowed me a lot of time to think pretty hard about what I wanted to present and you know put my name on um, so that's what this is that's what we're going into the studio to do next uh, next week and um, that's what we've been doing you know monthly at the 1905 and all around town other places as well um, so the A team, you know, there's uh, different people play with me in the quintet, um, but but uh, the people on who are playing on the 18th at 1905 and going into the studio with me are um, Leon Cotter on the mm-hmm. tenor saxophone. Uh, he's someone who, I mean, from the first note I ever played with him, it was like, oh my god, this is this is it. Yeah, you know, I think that there's people that we find that. Uh, it just feels good to play with them and it's it's effortless to an extent um, and you know I care a lot about the the blend of the trumpet and tenor saxophone and how that timbre is um, sure. and with him it was just instantly exactly what I was going for wow. so when you find someone like that you just hold on for dear life <laughs> um, yeah so, so you've that, gotten married yeah. twice really but, yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's his is more of a casual. He and I okay. think he's more casual. Okay. We don't we don't need to put labels on it. <laughs> you don't need but, that contract. <laughs> but um yeah, so it's Leon Cotter on saxophone. Um on guitar, it's Jack Radsliff. Um Ooh. someone who I work really closely with at the Alan Jones Academy of Music. Um I play in his band um pretty often. And, you know, Jack is for me that perfect mixture of he can I mean he's one of the best you know quote-unquote jazz guitarists I've ever met Mm -hmm. and he comes from that background but he's also so open to trying things and um, he also just puts so much thought into his tone and the textures that he makes 
Um, so for me, as I'm writing this music that really blurs genres and references all sorts of different um, idiomatic tones and 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 styles of different music, you know, from from like swing to like pop punk and and rock music, uh, there's it it really requires a lot. And I use the guitar as the glue for that. Mm. I use the guitar to um, allow me to reference these various idiomatic sounds with some semblance of legitimacy, really. Uh, where, you know, if there's a pop punk bridge, Jack can turn on the pop punk tone. And all of a sudden, we're this weird instrumental, you know, band that's playing in that style Mm -hmm. somewhat convincingly so that's very important to me to have a guitar player who can um really be the glue for all of this stuff that i'm writing sonically um on bass garrett baxter uh garrett has moved to portland um, i believe in 20 like late 2020 maybe or early 2021 and um, had just quickly became one of the most sought after upright bass players in the city. I mean, he's he's got a virtuosity about him and um, kind of this just this uh, hilarious, uh, absurdist character about him and and in the way he plays that I just love um, and he, the dedication he's shown to um, my project and. Um, just becoming so solid and like a rock as the bass player should be um, on my music. Uh, I just have, you know, endless appreciation for him. Wow. Um, And then finally, Micah Hummel on drums. And Micah is um, one of the coolest drummers I've ever played with. Um, He's someone who makes me sound really good. You know, what he plays inspires me. Uh, which is important in a drummer. Um, he plays with all sorts of people around town. And similarly to myself, and like I was saying with what I try to get out of the guitar player, uh, Micah has a lot of experience playing in both a traditional swing setting, but also he plays with lots of singer-songwriters and fusion and pop bands. So he's got this pop sensibility this very accessible sensibility that i'm really you know going for in my music okay so it really you know it's a it's a converging of the forces really with this band it sounds like an exceptionally dynamic lineup that gives you that flexibility to kind of swing back and forth between where you feel you need it to be sonically wow yeah absolutely You've got an upcoming studio album in lieu of tears. Yeah. And are you currently recording that? Is is that happening? Um, we will be going to the studio in just a couple of days okay. to record it. We're doing um, uh, several days in a row at Dead Aunt Thelma studio uh, down in Selwood with the amazing engineer Sasha Mueller. Uh, nice. Fun fact, actually, Sasha, uh, I mean, if, if you've listened to any um local Portland rock indie jazz releases over the last decade, you've heard Sasha's work Mm -hmm. engineering and mixing and, and sometimes even mastering. Um, And Sasha and I actually worked on our, both of our first records ever together back when I was in high school 
the first record I was ever a part of recording was Sasha's first record ever engineering. Oh, wow. So it, there's a beautiful uh, full circle-ness to it. I love that. I, I'm quoting you in saying this. Mm-hmm. You, you said this in reference to songwriting and storytelling. Introspection and scrutiny of the world around me is a moral and professional duty. Talk a little bit about how that has affected, that sentiment has affected your composing of the songs that are going to make up In Lieu of Tears. Yeah, well, um, we'll start with introspection. Um, you know, the the title in lieu of tears um, is is very literal, actually. I mean, it sounds nice as a title, but it's also um, very literal. It, this album and this these songs that I've been writing and arranging serve in lieu of tears. Um, they I've come to understand songwriting to be uh you know a a key component to my personal grieving process um we've all we all have a lot to grieve always and especially in the last few years um you know without you know going without listing hardships um there's some, some grieving that i found myself wondering uh why i wasn't crying over you know, I've, I've, I've always, it's always been very hard for me to cry. Um, and I've questioned that a lot, wondering if I was repressed or just channeling somewhere else. And over the last few years, I've really come to this understanding of, um, to see composition and songwriting, um, as this component and process in my grieving, um, this outlet for me mm-hmm. to basically cry through. Yeah. Um, so just even realizing this and understanding it al- has allowed me to, um, you know, maybe not double down, but um, embrace it yeah. more. When again, just like we were talking about with black American music, like when I understand where it's coming from and I understand mm-hmm. what's happening, I can, you know, I can deal with it even yes. better than I was before. Yes. yes. Um, so then the same goes with scrutiny of the world around me. Uh, you know, you need to ask questions. You need to question things. I mean, I'm not saying become a conspiracy theorist, but, um, but, you know, challenge the world to challenge the world around you to, to uh, be as honest and vulnerable as you are being yeah. with it, with, you know, as, as you go through the world. Um, and as an artist, as, as a storyteller, you need this, I believe. The, those cathartic moments are where we find the most clarity on the things that we should probably be the most inquisitive over. Absolutely. If you're going to tell a story, um, you need to know what story you're telling yep. and believe it. Yes. And, um, you know. But allow people to have their own interpretation of. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's you can't make people, you, you can't force people to see what you see in your music. They're going to see something else. Yes. And that's beautiful. Yes. So the, 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 you know, I'm presenting this project as in lieu of tears, um, but I'm not saying that the song these are sad songs and that and that this song's about this hardship and this one's about this i'm just saying that 
I wrote most of this music um, as part of my grieving process. And rather than specific experiences, they capture um, more of specific feelings and Mm -hmm. emotional states that I wrote them in. And these are universally shared experiences that people can um, take and then put, they can take that and uh, lens, they can take that, that emotional lens of the song and view their own life experiences through it. You have a f- crowdfunding campaign going right now to get mm-hmm. in lieu of tears, rocking and rolling, mm-hmm. because nothing, yes. nothing is cheap or free anymore. Well, was it ever? No, nothing is cheap or free. <laughs> I think that at one point there was a heyday of, of jazz record deals in the 80s where people were just, you know, getting crazy record deals, you know, uh, hand over foot. But these days, no, as an independent artist, um, it is it is not easy. And so, you know, uh, my, I can speak for myself and a lot of the um, independent uh, band leaders and artists and uh, um, composers uh, in Portland, a lot of it is crowdfunding and grant based. Yeah. So, you know, there's grant applications and there's crowdfunding. So, um, yeah, so I have an Indiegogo set up right now. Okay. Um, that is running until uh, the, I believe it's the 23rd uh, or 22nd, actually. Okay. I believe the, the Indiegogo is running until the 22nd. Um, there's a bunch of cool perks yeah. um, built in. <laughs> there's there's um, private lessons uh, which is even a, a great gifting thing uh, that you could gift to, to a, 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 anyone of any age um, for trumpet or just general music or composition lessons. Um, there's also uh, getting on the guest list to a show. Um, and then as, as well as the more classic, you know, get, a, get an autograph CD, get a print of the album art, that kind of thing. Well, I will make sure to have the direct link to the Indiegogo campaign for the studio album In Lieu of Tears for the Cyrus Nabipour Quintet on our website, which is prp.fm. And speaking of um, getting to go to a show, you've Mm -hmm. got a show coming up on Sunday the 18th at the 1905. We've got a couple of tickets I, I want to hear more about the show and what's and what people can expect, but we've got a couple of tickets, a two top to in the jazz world. That's what we call it. A two top <laughs> to give to a PRP listener for the 9 PM show. Cause there's two shows, right? 7 PM and 9 PM. Yes. Ticketed separately. Okay. Yeah. So if you would like to go see Cyrus Nabipur quintet at the 1905 on Sunday, December 18th at 9 PM, you can email hello at prp.fm right now. And, uh, first emailer you get a two top to the 1905 that's very exciting Ooh. okay what can people expect when they go check out the five of you up on that stage yeah so i mean this is an exciting show because um well first off 1905 is home is basically yeah. home base for us i've had a monthly there for the last uh probably year and a half now um so we play every one sunday night per month and so it really, you know, it feels like home. It's comfortable. It's where we're able to, uh, you know, stretch and let loose. And it's also um, going to be, uh, we are in the studio that morning as our first studio day and then returning to the studio the next few days after that. So you're catching us at a very 
cool mm. time of when yeah. we're really just in the middle of this of this album creation yeah. kind of working out kinks up on the stage too well, probably no kinks, oh. but uh, maybe blowing off some steam. Okay. That. All right. That's a better way to put it. <laughs> when uh, will there be an actual album release? Um, you know, it depends. Timeline is somewhat dependent on funding and things like okay. that. But the um, the goal right now, um, the projected date is to release in uh, fall, late fall 2023. Oh, so wow. about a one year turnaround, which okay. is, you know, about about on par for for putting out albums do you plan on doing any touring whilst the album is being recorded produced mixed etc will you continue to go out and tour um yeah i believe i'm putting together a um a short another pacific northwest oh. run in may uh in in mid-may uh that you know still has some stuff to be ironed out but that'll probably be happening and then um you know i go down to new orleans a couple of times a year and do a new orleans version of the quintet uh down there as well so you know i'm sure i'll if anyone's streaming from new orleans right now you'll find me down there uh in probably april Okay. You will have all of this information on your website, cyrusnabipour.com, correct? Yes. Okay, yes. great. Well, I'll make sure to, to include that link on our post as well on our website, prp.fm, so folks can keep up on your adventures. All right. <laughs> Sunday, December 18th, 1905, you can catch Cyrus Nabipour Quintet. We'll see this album in lieu of tears coming out fall of 2023. If you want to support that album, again, I'll have a link to Cyrus's Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign on our website. So you can go over there and I'd seriously consider that that private show. I think that'd be that'd be wonderful. And those tickets for the two top at the 1905 for the 9 p.m. show Sunday the 18th. Uh, email hello at prp.fm and we'll get you all set up our first emailer let's have a little battle we'll see what happens there and then i'll suggest they go donate some money too don't worry i'll, I'll get you covered on those emails too all right um i think we should hear one last song kind of close things out with a little mm -hmm. bit of music we've got huckleberry madness queued up tell us a little uh, yes. bit about this tune um this is a fun song uh this is uh this is a song that is not afraid to make fun of itself. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it, I, I, I call it a soundtrack song. I, in that I, it's not, well, it's definitely, it's definitely not background soundtrack music, but no. I do um, see a little, a little movie play in my head uh, along to this song involving some, um, some little boys who go berry picking and become a little too greedy and have a sort of um, terrifying Jekyll and Hyde Huckleberry monster type experience for, you know, for anyone who's had that kind of thing happen to them before. Um, so that's the story that this song tells. All right. And it features uh, my good friend George Wilde on guitar oh. from, from back in New Orleans on the Live at the Meredith Opera House record. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end our drop-in session on Sounds of PDX. Cyrus, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Veronica. Of course, of course. And thanks to all of you for listening to Portland Radio Project.